Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 24 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled, Portals, Are They Real? Our teacher is Alan Smith. Good morning. So glad you're here. Uh, here's our verse that we're building this around. As in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So that gives us a time period, a framework in which we're focusing in on. <clears throat> that is, as in the days of Noah. So we're looking back that we might see uh, things of the future. And why do we do that? It's, it so is the, the gift of the prophetic. Um, this is a prophetic class, I like to think. And the, in the prophetic, uh, I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to try to say it in just a little different framework. Um, to a prophetic person, you can see things into the future. Now, the future is yet to be written, but yet you can see things in the future. And, uh, and just because you can, the things that I see in the future, I do not proclaim. Because God will let you see in the future, and in the prophetic, a lot of people want to get into future telling, and I've said this before, because I can see future things. Uh, in other words, you, you can see, as you see in the future, the, the future has not happened yet, so there's futures not written in stone. Are you, are you with me? So to have this attitude that you can see in the future and you can predict the future, that's just a wrong premise. I mean, even in the rational mind, because the future has yet to be written. Now, God's the only one that writes future and it can be predictable. And he's given it his, his, his word, but he reserves that for himself. Now, he allows us to be equipped to see future, and here's, here's the danger and the positive aspect of seeing future. When you see, let's say we can see the future of all things, do you realize how much of the future we can mess up if we could change it? You realize what a mess we would make. You try to save, you see something's going to happen in the future, so what if we could go in the future and change it and then come back to the now? Well, the problem is if you change the future, you just change the future for someone else and something else. So there, there's not much of a future in future telling. Even though we see future. Now I want to bring a definition of that. When I see future, God can show me where this thing's going to end up if something doesn't change. Right? How many can do that? You can see this is where this, I can see where this is heading. Anybody ever said that? Well, if you can see where it's headed, you're seeing something in the future. I can see where this is heading. Unless something changes. So the prophetic is seeing future, not declaring future, but seeing future, and then asking God, what, what is it, God? What's your will for this future event? And then when God tells me His will for the future event, I don't go around talking about the future. I go around talking about the will of God. Then the will of God brings future in line to His purpose. Future takes on a greater, bigger meaning than just future. And the Lord will let us see things that happens when 
when the dominoes of life, if you will be, have been set against a person. Uh, we'll go to the easy ones, the drugs, alcohol, whatever. You can see the future of that pretty easily unless something changes. So you look with a person in that situation, you say, okay, God, what is your will? What is the will of God for this person's future? And he'll tell you the will of God. And then you prophetically speak unto that person the will of God. Now, the will of God, so I'm wanting to bring definition to what the true prophetic is. And there again, I go back to, to uh, Donald Trump. A lot of people said he was to be the next president, which we all see that he wasn't. Uh, I've told you before, do I think it was the will of God for him, for him to be? I do. But what happens is, when you proclaim it as future, that's not our job. Our job is to proclaim the will of God. I know a lot of people can say, well, I don't think that was the will of God. Well, proclaim it, I guess, is all I know to do. Um, but there again, the point being, something can be the will of God and it not happen. So therefore, there is the battle structure. There is the battleground. When we see the will of God, and it doesn't look like the future is holding it, we then start proclaiming the will of God into the future. I mean, 49 years and so many months, uh, we know it's the will of God. We do not believe that abortion is the will of God. Right? Uh, you can have all the reasons you want. It's just, it's the, my, is it right or wrong? Or what? I mean, the only thing I can tell you is it's not the will of God. That's, that's what I know. So therefore, we proclaim that that is not the will of God. It just so happens it took 49, almost 50 years. But guess what happened with all the prayers and the battle? The will of God has started to be proclaimed, right? It changed future. I mean, listen, it's unprecedented to think that something like that's been going on for 50 years and then you reach back and change it. That doesn't happen, you see. And the reason it doesn't happen is because there is now over this earth what's invading the church and people is a term that's called progressive. In other words, being progressive means we're all about changing future. Okay, now with that little bit said, I'm going to move on very, very quickly because I want to read some scripture that will take a little bit of time, 10 to 15 minutes probably, about Elijah. We're going to read it because it's important that we read the Word of God. There's something supernatural in that in itself about Elijah. <laughs> we are living in the days of Elijah. Uh, Elijah won in advance because of his faith in God. Now we want to see that we are in this, this is, we have different spirits that comes through portals, if you will, to this earth. And then what happens is it has different spirits influence the earth. We have what I call, I haven't seen quite the head of it. Perhaps Trevor in his teaching of fallen angels will find out. But this progressive spirit Listen, let me tell you this. The Democratic Party was hijacked. I don't care what you think. I know the Democratic Party's been hijacked by that progressive spirit, and I've yet to figure out which spirit that is. But I, and what does the progressive spirit do? It grabs hold of God's truth. Now, this is the slick part. It'll grab hold of the truth of God and yet put in its 
new truth. So therefore, you got a mixture. It'll appear to be from God. That's the deception. Now let's look and just have the mind of, of Christ with Elijah. Faith is an act of knowing in advance. That's what faith is. So the prophetic gifting is actually a, a, a gift of faith. We see in advance, and by faith we act in advance. Now look at this next one. Faith is an action prepared for in advance. I hope you can get that. Faith is an action prepared for in advance. All right, here we go. I'm going to go quickly. You can see there with Elijah. I call that a portal. And when I'm reading Scripture, the fire of God came down. We're going to look at that a little bit more. The spirit of Elijah was present at Christ's first coming and will be present at His second coming. What would this kind of boldness look like today? The boldness of Elijah. Now, the boldness of Elijah distinguishes the truth between a lie. Now, now truth that's easily seen, we are to proclaim. But there's a lot of truth out here, or there's a lot of things out here appearing as truth, and it has an element of truth. Okay? That's where we, this is where the compromise comes in. It has an element of truth, and I'll tell you this with the progressive spirit. It will feel like truth. It will feel good. It'll feel so good, it's got to be God. Now, let's look at it quickly. Just like Israel, we must repent of our unbelief and our worship of false gods. So this is the distinction that we're going into with the spirit of Elijah. Just like Israel, we must repent of our unbelief and worship of false gods. The United States, we know. I'm going to use that as an example. You know, the Roe versus Wade raid thing. How long halt ye between two opinions? Now, this is what happens in 1 Kings with Elijah. This is what his message was. If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Israel, when, when, when God sent the fire down upon the sacrifice, it was in front of Baal, uh, Baal uh, prophets. Now, the, Elijah wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to impress those prophets. He was trying to prove to Israel that God's God. And they have went astray and went after false gods. So the message of Elijah was to Israel. The, the prophets of Baal were just side effects. That wasn't the issue. The issue was Israel had fallen away from God. So the, the, so the issue, with, uh, to get it in its proper framework, how does the, the spirit and the message of Elijah apply to us today? He's talking about the church. It's the church. It's falling away from God. The church is believing false prophets. You can say, well, I'm not. Well, let's just go through a little checklist here. That's in 1 Kings. Now, he goes on to say, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel ruled Israel and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God to, uh, uh, of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. How would you like to have that as your reputation? That was his reputation. Now look at this. He built a temple for a pagan god named Baal and rejected the Lord uh, as the one true God. Now, as we look at the end result, it doesn't 
it looks like, well, how could he do that? But there was a progressive thing to get there. It was progressive actions on Israel. They didn't get there overnight. So it was a progression to get them there. Therefore, I submit to this group of prophets the word progressive. Now, watch it. Elijah went into hiding because Ahab blamed him for a devastating drought. He had prophesied that if they didn't repent, God was going to send a drought. Ahab, he said, you're the problem. When truthfully, it was just something from God. Jezebel hated Israel's God so much that she massacred most, uh, massacred most of his prophets except for Elijah and 150 who hid in a cave. It's all right. Somebody's phone's ringing there. <laughs> it's all right, Trevor. <laughs> okay, Elijah and the great challenge. Now, here's what happens. Elijah challenges King Ahab and Baal's prophets to show the people who the real God is. So as Christians and believers, we have a challenge before us. We do have a challenge. We have a challenge before us. So uh, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubles Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baal. Now here's where Elijah challenges the people of God. Now therefore send, gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves of 400, and uh, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and, and said, How long? Now here was his message. How long halt ye between two opinions? And you can see in your own life, or you can see in the United States, the question is always, how long are you going to go backwards and forwards between these two, two opinions? In our own personal lives, and we're seeing how long are we going to keep going backwards and forwards? You see, that's the question. If the Lord be God, follow Him, but if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered Him not a word. Now there's the problem. There is the problem. They were challenged by Elijah. Their response was nothing. They didn't repent or they didn't follow back. They didn't do anything except, the only thing I can tell you this, if they said not a word, were they still in the same place before the word and after the word? They were in the same place. So they heard the word, didn't change. Now here was the issue. He said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. That's the issue into the house of God today, to the prophets of God, the prophetic people. There must be a tremendous distinction. God has not call, called us to settle an argument between light and darkness. There's not but one mediator between God and man. And you ain't it. Now, watch it. It's the battle for the heart. Decide this day between these two opinions. It's a battle for the heart. Your heart is a battleground. 
It is the place the enemy is trying to get. Why? So that you will not prophesy the will of God. You can't prophesy the will of God if your own heart is wishy-washy and you're halting between two opinions. How can you see and prophesy the will of God if you've got two different opinions in your mind? You can't. So that's the point. For some reason we think we've got enough sense to negotiate good and evil. The only thing I submit to you is Elijah didn't negotiate. Now, Elijah has been called to challenge the false god. And here you see the, the prophets of Baal. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give unto us two bullocks, and let them chose, choose one bullock from themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And uh, call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God uh, that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. So Elijah, what did he do? He spoke the will of God. He spoke it. He spoke the will of God. Then let's more scripture here. Elijah calls the false prophets to leap upon the altar. We saw that after the turning back of Roe versus Wade. I never seen the like of, uh, well, anyway, y'all too. Here we go. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullet for yourselves, address it for your many, and call on the name of your gods, and put no fire under it. And they took the bull, which is given them, and they dressed it, and you know how it is. And it went on, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that had answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Well, you could say, well, they just went berserk. No, there wasn't no fire there. That wasn't a big thing. Right? There was no fire on that altar, so they was going to, I don't know what they were thinking. Anyway, and here's what Elijah did. I know in the Christian church today, uh, we have a problem with what uh, Elijah said here, because we would think that he was out of character and he didn't have a Christ-like attitude. Here's what Elijah said. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and cried aloud, for he is God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he's on a journey or pre-adventure. He sleepeth and must awaken. Elijah was making fun of the false prophet. Now, I do not recommend that. But if you have the spirit of Elijah, go get you some. Now. Verse 28, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. You believe that? And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer uh, nor any uh, regard. Now, Elijah called the people, uh, Israel, to, back to the altar. Here's what happened. Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar. The Lord was broken, that had broken down. Elijah took twelve stones. What for? Twelve tribes. Uh, and why? Because twelve tribes needed to repent. Stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar as great as it contains two measures of seed. And he put the wood in the order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water. Now do you think Elijah was making this impossible 
to appear totally impossible. And he said, do it the second time. They did it again. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar, and he filled the trench with water. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. That's what the preachers should sound like. It's a definite message. It's a defined message. There's no interpretation needed, right? It's a clear word, very clear word. Now, there, here's where Elijah called on the Lord. I think this is pretty neat. There was an open portal in heaven. Fire came down. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. Uh, the Lord, He is the God. Watch this. Israel slid into immorality. United States, yes. And idolatry, yes. Led by their king Ahab. So if we have leaders in this country that lead us into idolatry and immorality, we've got an Ahab. Or if we got an Ahab, there means there's a Jezebel in the camp. That's right. We've got a Jezebel in the camp. Now, if you had some woman's face in the United States government just come before your face, that is not what I am eating. <laughs> I just heard, I'm like, wow. The only problem is I saw about eight or ten different pictures. So I didn't know which one y'all were going to choose. So, let's just, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> we must be a prophet in our midst. Now, it says Ahab was very evil. Now, Ahab is the one that tolerates it. His main contributions of this evil was to institutionalize pagan worship. That's what he did. So when we're changed, when you're seeing what's happening with political correctness today, what's happening is we are institutionalizing worship, pagan worship. That is what that's the spirit of Ahab. The spirit of Ahab, I'll be honest with you, I think more Jezebel than I do Ahab. At least she said what was on her mind. At least you knew where she stood, right? Ahab's the one that was a little mouse that worked behind the scenes. Okay, that's enough of that. Here we go. He also empowered his wife to slaughter God's prophets. Ahab is the one that empowers the Jezebel. During Ahab's reign, God called Elijah to declare truth. Now here we go. Elijah refires Israel's faith. And I'm going to have to pick up my speed. Now, y'all run with me. Elijah prayed publicly asking God to send the fire. The fire represented God's wrath upon the sacrifice and not upon Israel. Do you get that? The fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. Wow, that's great. But the, here's what's great. The fire didn't shoot over on the nation Israel. That's the miracle. Israel didn't get what was due them. Because the wrath of God. Why did Jesus say on the cross, God, if you've forsaken me, it's because God's wrath was coming down upon His life that He was going to give to mankind. Anybody get that? Yeah. 
Jesus endured the cross. Now, here we go. The fire came through a spiritual portal into the natural world. Now, I'm going to pick up on something here. I want to go into portals here just a little bit. This is very important. Portals, are they real? Now, I've heard Bob Jones say there's a, there's a portal right over here. How did he say it, Pastor? Right under this light here, portal of healing or something, I think you said. Or Is that correct? Okay. Do I believe in portals? I do. Do I know all I think I know about portals? I know nothing about portals, except I believe they're real. Now, now let's look at it in Scripture right quick. Now, this is very, very important. What are they? A portal is a doorway or an entry point. All right? It's a doorway. It's an entry point. Now, I want us to look at something. It is an opening by which angels and heavenly beings can come and go. I'm sure Trevor will hit this a little bit probably through his teachings on angels here. But that's, this is what it is. Now, you've heard this talked about before. Uh, the first heaven, which is there. See the little red line? We've got first heaven down in the earth. Call that little red line a portal, if you will. Uh, second heaven. Now, we know second heaven is... The uh, first heaven is here, birds and all that. Second heaven, we know is that the stars, but also uh, we know that the se there's second heavens where the demonic, the angels, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that happens in second heaven called second heaven revelation. And that's the reason as a prophetic people, we can have first heaven seen. I can see future in the first heaven. Well, that's because God's, the way God's created us to see in spirit. Well, I can see. I can also see into the second heaven of, of uh, some of the demonic beings um, and the activity. One way I can do it is by reflection. In other words, I can look at the earth and just know over a particular place. Um, Las Vegas. Do you think there's a portal over Las Vegas into the second heaven? It's a no-brainer. That's a yes. Was the portal there? And they built Las Vegas, or did they build Las Vegas and the evil hearts of men open a portal to second heaven? I submit to you it was the second. Nonetheless, there's an opening. And then we got what we call, and the Apostle Paul refers to it, as the third heaven. Now the third heaven is when we ask God, okay God, I see what's happening. I see what's going to happen in the future here. I can, I, I can, I can see it. And Lord, I ask and pray, what is your will? concerning this situation. Now the reason God gives us His will, again, is so what you're see seeing in the future is changed. Now, and I'm going to say this, don't let it hurt your feelings. A lot of times what you see in the future is second heaven. It's true just the same. I know a lot of people say, well, don't hang out in second heaven. I, I get all that mess. and I, Yeah, I get it. But a lot of truth we can see in the natural in the first heaven, you can see second heaven, because second heaven's trying to get to happen in the first heaven what they are declared in second heaven. But then as a prophetic people, we have this now an opportunity to go third heaven, get third heaven revelation on the will of God for a situation. Is everybody with me there? And that's what keeps us from telling future, but I didn't say you couldn't see future. I wanted to go further in it in my statement that I'd made uh, several years ago. And, but to give you more understanding, you got to be so careful when you make that statement. But as a seer, you can see uh, what's going to happen in the future 
But there's a reason God allows you to see that. And that's so you get the greater revelation of God's will in the future situation that you see happening. Now, here we go. Second uh, Corinthians, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, out, I cannot tell, whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows such a one called up into the third heaven, how uh, that he was called up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. So we know that Apostle Paul of his books in the New Testament, which is mostly his writings of the, of the New Testament, that most of those Paul got from the third heaven. In third heaven time, he was there called up into that third heaven. When I consider thy heavens, uh, the work of thy fingers, the moon, uh, and the stars, is uh, that's another whole story. I'm not going to go there. Ephesians 2, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. You see that? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So that shows us there whether you might have thought you were an individual, but the truth is you were a pawn of probably second heaven before you came to Christ. Uh, that's just what the truth is. Now, again, I want to move on quickly. It says in Psalms, Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. See that? He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain of heaven. In other words, God opened up a portal from third heaven to first heaven to the earth when he fed Israel. When he said they had, ma they had manna from heaven, he was serious. It wasn't a play on words. You got manna from heaven. I have not been in them, but I've heard of a couple services where in the service there was such a presence of God that they would see manna on the floor. Do I believe that? I do. Service was over, the manna was gone. Do I believe it? I do. Do I have a biblical precedent? Yes, I do. The presence of God. I would so pray and I pray that there'll be such a portal of heaven open over this place that all the junk that's in heaven could fall here. Lord, put your sweepings here. I'm good with that. Uh, maybe you might get that. That's called gold dust. Gold dust. All right, here we go. When the, when the Israelites needed food, God provided manna. God sent the food through a channel that was not tampered with, so God opened a portal in heaven and delivered the food to the uh, Israelites through it. There again, I want to move quickly. Now Jacob opened up a portal. Y'all remember the story of Jacob and his uncomfortable dream? I'm going to call it an uncomfortable dream because I want you to catch something here. If you ever put a rock in your bed and use it for a pillow... How many of you have done that? My grandfather used to take a nap after lunch every day before we went back out in the fields. I'd have to go out there and sit on the ground beside him. He had an old swing, or a swing, swing set, swing, but had, had the, uh, the uh, springs of an old bed between the two posts and made a swing out of that Spring of an old bed, single bed. Anybody following what I'm saying here? And he had it as a swing, and he had a terracotta pipe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Terracotta pipe, used to be drain pipe. He had it at the end for his pillow. 
The only other man other than Jacob that I know of used a rock for a pillow. I asked my grandfather, I said, well, Grandpa, why do you use that as a pillow? He said, it's so I don't get too comfortable. <laughs> Didn't make sense to me until I saw that's what happened to Jacob. Why did he put a rock there? He didn't want to become too comfortable. Now, I want you, I want you to see how this thing works. There was a portal developed above Jacob at that rock. Jacob took a stone and laid his head upon it, it says, to rest. He did not want to become too comfortable, for he had a long trip ahead. He just wanted to rest. It was in the rest of the discomfort that he had a dream. Now, that's key to understand that. It was in the rest of his discomfort that he had a dream. Now, this is to prophetic people. You'll get this if you're prophetic. You already got it if you're prophetic. It's in his discomfort. In the rest of his discomfort that he had a dream. When discomfort invades our rest, God is wanting to speak. Now, this is not Prophetic 101, okay? This is graduate prophetic, if you can handle this. It says, when discomfort invades our rest, God is waiting to speak to us. Anybody been made uncomfortable lately? Listen, I had a nephew of mine. Uh, he went on, a, on this trip, and um, he was with other uh, 18, 19 year old uh, Christian, young Christians, they went on a mission trip up north somewhere, a big city. And um, he went there and uh, he said they didn't even have Bible study. They didn't read the Bible. They just got up, ate breakfast, and had fun. Uh, and that was the extent of the trip. Actually, he's still on that trip. And um, he went out in the crowd of where they were and and tried to find somebody just to pray for. So he found a guy. He thought the Lord said he had a bad his knee was hurting. He thought, I've got to encounter God somewhere. So he went up to the guy and um, asked him. He said, I believe that God told me that your knee was hurting. I'd like to pray for you. Could I pray for you? And he said, absolutely not. Makes me uncomfortable. The gospel of God, the truth of God, God speak when you're uncomfortable. Somebody. You've got to get that as a prophetic people. You can be mad at somebody else, mad at the church, mad at this, mad at that. Something's making you very, your discomfort level is being messed with. It's God who's messing with it. Why? He's wanting to speak. Uh, my young nephew got to experience rejection taking the gospel. He couldn't understand it. But God was speaking to him in the middle of it. Everybody get that? You got to get that so we can move forward. We must know how to treat our discomfort. Uh, there's somebody who's sitting in this room I know wrote something on Facebook made some people very uncomfortable. Made a lot of discomfort. He got a lot of criticism for it. But he was speaking the will of God. 
speaking. When you speak the will of God, somebody better be uncomfortable somewhere. And so, so the compelling comparison is they're uncomfortable and you're probably uncomfortable from their rejection. The Spirit of God is always around that that's uncomfortable. So I know we want to say, I, my prayer, we would say we want people to come into this church, want them to feel welcome, all the above. We do, but my hope and prayer is they are very uncomfortable by the presence of God and the truth of God. Now what happens in the progressive church of today, they're trying to make everybody comfortable right. instead of uncomfortable. If you come to church and you don't like the message today because it makes you feel uncomfortable, say, God, what is it you want to say? Now, let's watch it. We'll move forward. Discomfort is a place of encounter. When my nephew wanted to pray for this man's knee, that was his place of encounter. God probably is going to heal his cotton-picking knee. Can you see... God is out to stretch you and me and everybody on the planet. When you're moving from point A to point B, it's uncomfortable. Now watch this. Here's Jacob's ladder. Jacob saw a portal in heaven, and the angels were ascending and descending upon this ladder. Now you get that. Jacob lays his head down, he has his dream, sees this ladder, Jacob's ladder, and angels are going up and going down. So this was his dream during his uh, discomfort of his rest. Now, they ascend with your prayers and descend with your answers. The Bible says that God was standing in the doorway above the stairs. Now, a lot of times we'll miss this in, in verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father. So above that portal was the Lord God. Why? Because it went right into the throne room of heaven. That's why. Now to me that's exciting. I want to find these portals. How do I get one of these portals? Walmart, where? We need a portal. We want the portals of God. The first thing, we get, plus we've got to understand, there's such things as portals. That's what we've got to understand. Do you remember the Matrix? You had to find a phone booth or something. You had to be at the right place at the right time to get it. If you didn't see the Matrix, you're very confused right now. <laughs> oh, me. Let me go on. God was guarding the portal. There's Jacob, the angels going up and down. The portal was into the throne room of God. The next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had used as a pillow and marked the place because he knew it had an open portal. He marked it. What Can anybody tell me what he called it? Bethel, that's right. Now, on that rock, do you, most people know what this is, the dome of the rock. Now, it's perceived that under that dome is a rock, and right there it is. There's a rock in it. Now, it is believed that that is the rock upon which Abraham laid his head. Now, could be or could not be. I'll tell you why I think it's a good chance it is. It is believed that this is the rock upon which Jacob laid upon. So, and see, if so, the portal has been covered by a false religion. 
One reason I believe it probably is that rock is because there's a portal there. And so false religion came and built a dome over it like to cap that portal. Do I think this false religion can cap it? The answer is yes, I do. I think it's probably been capped. Which leads me to this idea that the portals can be capped. Well, okay. You see what the will of God here is. If third heaven portals can be capped, surely to goodness second heaven portals can be capped. Right? So lies the prophetic. We'll get into that a little more. Jesus told Nathanael that because he had prophesied, Nathanael believed. Y'all know the story. Verily, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending where? Son of man. So here all of a sudden we know that Jacob, we know over his rock, everywhere that is, on the dome of the rock or not, either way, he marks this spot. And you can see why it looks like the temple was built there, Temple Mount because there was an open portal there on Temple Mount. Totally makes sense. Probably now it's covered by a false religion. But now here with Nathaniel, you know the story. Jesus said to him, said, well, because you prophesied correctly, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. But where? Not on that rock of Jacob's, even though that was an open, but over the Son of Man. That's kind of neat. I get more, a little more understanding about these portals. Well, the portals are over Jesus. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I never thought of it, but I guess so. You know, no wonder Jesus got away with, well, I only do what I see the Father doing. Well, no wonder. He had a pretty good advantage, right? With Jacob, angels were descending upon the earth. With Jesus, they were descending upon Him. Jesus brought with him a new dimension of portals. It would no longer be something limited to one place. Now, this is what we want to see. This is where I'm not going to get all I wanted to today, but I want you to get this. Jesus brought with it this new... We're trying to study portals. We want to see what happened. So Jesus brings a new understanding of these uh, portals. It became something that was open uh, upon Him. So we learned that Jesus moved and moves with an open portal. Everybody see that? That's how Jesus moved around. Now, I want to go into something here. Now, keep that in mind on portals. Okay, I'm going to say this. If there's an open portal in, over Jesus, now here's the idea. If Jesus is in your heart, then there's an open portal above your life. That's good news. If Jesus is in here... Now, consider this. Could the portal only be open as wide as I allow Jesus to have control of my life? Could the portal of heaven be capped in my heart because of false religion in my heart? Now, church of Jesus Christ is very important. Jesus also said that you are the sanctuary of God. You are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. God wanted a mobile portal over the earth. So He came up with His idea, I'm going to put Jesus, 
the Spirit of Christ in the hearts of my people and let them move around the earth. So do I believe my nephew went up to this guy and said, God told me that you've got pain in your knee and I want to, can I pray for you? And he said, no. What caused him to do that? Because there was an open portal over, over that young man right there. Right? And so what happened? Manna fell from heaven. And the man rejected it. Just like Israel. Right, let's watch this. Matthew 24, 4 says this. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Right? This is a time of great deception upon this earth. Matthew 24. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise what? False Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, and so much if it were possible, they shall deceive even the very elect. Now watch this one. False a false Christ says, follow me as we progress into the new future. What is upon the earth right now with this progressive spirit? And I'll get and I really get into it heavy right after this. What is upon this earth now is this progressive spirit. And it's after the portals of God. The way it gets us is it uses part of our message. It's trying to hijack the church of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, it's slick. It's good. Because it will feel like Christ, but the end thereof is destruction. The idea is humanity will perfect its human behavior by evolving or progressing to perfection. Progressivism is progress, but in the wrong direction in the last days. It's making progress, progressive. We're going to be a progressive people. It's the idea of a new future. But it's heading in the wrong direction. We'll pick up here uh, next week. I hope you will consider what I've said. There again, I, I, I speak to make you uncomfortable is my goal, not to tickle your ears. So let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. It is our prayer, O oh God, that you invade us with truth, with the power of your Spirit. Yes. If there's anything that I've said that's not of you and your Word and your Spirit, I pray that it'll fall to the ground. If there's anything I've said that's of you, I pray that you'll quicken it to our hearts and to our spirits that we might walk in the spirit of Elijah. That we might walk in the spirit of Elijah. That we might prophesy the will of God upon a people and upon a land. That we might be those who hold up the banner that those that have proclaimed the will of God in the past, if it was the will of God in the past, it's still the will of God today. For His will does not change. So be with us, O oh God, as we proceed in this service this morning. I ask, O oh God, I ask you a hundred times for an open heaven above this place. 
there's a bunch of open heavens in here, Lord. If there's anything that's stopping up the door, if we got junk in the way of the doorway, help us to clean up. Clean up the doorway of the portal that we might look into heaven and that we could say this is your will and not our will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.